Okay, good morning everybody. Isn't it lovely to be back? So, we had a week off last week and it's just great to see you all today. So, it's interesting, thank you Sue for that lovely story this morning because actually part of what I'm talking about is miracles and how they happen in the most unexpected ways. And sometimes they happen in wacky ways, wacky to wonderful Um, So I'll start with Hebrews, sorry, Hebrews 11.1. It says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And the Amplified Bible adds on to that. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. I quite like that. So basically, there is an element of risk involved when we walk in faith because we're believing before we're seeing. Yeah? So has anyone watched the Indiana Jones movie? I think it was The Last Crusade. And it's where there's a huge gorge in front of Indiana. There's no way across. But he's following directions. And the directions tell him there is a bridge there. Okay? But he can't see it. He has to step out. And he puts his foot forward And he realizes there actually is a pathway there, but he couldn't see it or comprehend it from where he was standing. It was an optical illusion hiding the pathway. It meant stepping out and having that assurance that the promise he was given was true. And we also have lots of promises and assurances. One of those promises is Psalm 91, and I'm going to read the whole thing. Those who live... In the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him. For he will rescue you from the trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, ten thousand are dying around you. These evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge, you, sorry, if you make the, the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home, for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so that you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You will trample upon lions and cobras. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who put their trust in me. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with long life and give them my salvation. There's so many promises just in that, isn't there? He'll rescue us. He'll protect us. He'll cover us. He'll honor us. And in Exodus, we see some of those things actually being put into practice, being with them, giving protection, rescuing. We see Moses leading the people to step out in faith and claim 
those promises. Now, Moses is one of my favorite people in the Bible. And I really kind of relate sometimes with what he does because he literally stands there sometimes and says, you know, what do I do? And we read in four, sorry, Exodus 14, we read where Moses had led them out of Egypt and he'd led them as far as the Red Sea. And he stood there with the Egyptian army pursuing close behind. And can you imagine, it must have been quite terrifying. He's led all of these people out and now all of a sudden he's responsible for them and there's nowhere to go. But the Lord put a pillar of fire behind them and in front of the, uh, in front of the Egyptians to stop the enemy advancing. He protected the Israelites from the enemy and he gave them time to think, to make that step and take that faith, take that faith step forward and do what they needed to do. So as Moses stood at the Red Sea, the the people are obviously panicking. What have you done? Why have you brought us here? We've got the mountains at the side of us. We've got the enemy behind and the sea. What are we going to do? And God said, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Now, if that was me, I'd have probably been thinking, where to? (laughs) Where do we go from here? But God said, raise your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, and you'll walk through on dry ground. So we know the story. Moses did that, and the Israelites did walk through on dry ground to safety. Now, the point there is God made Moses do something. Yeah? Moses was standing there. What do I do? Everyone's calling out, God, do something. But Moses had already been given a staff. He'd already been given the authority. And God said, do something. Lift your staff. Touch the sea. Do whatever. Hold hold it out. Say something. And he probably did have to say something. I don't know what what it was, but he probably had to do it. But God uses people to bring his will. God gave authority to his people. And he'd given Moses everything he needed. Further on in Exodus 17, the Israelites had camped at Rephidim. And again, there was no water for the people to drink. So the Lord said to Moses, again, do something. Strike the rock and water will come out for people to drink. Another time, the Lord said to Moses, speak to the rock and the water will pour out for people. Each time... Moses was told to do something and to use his faith to bring him into the miraculous. And this is a theme throughout the Bible. In Matthew 17, Peter was with Jesus, and I love this story. And the collectors of the two drachma uh, temple tax came to uh, Peter and said, doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Peter replied, yes. And then he's obviously gone to Jesus. And I like the way Jesus replied to Peter when he asks him about it, because he makes Peter think about it. And he says, from who do the kings of the earth collect their duty and taxes? From their own children or from others? From others, said Peter. Then the children are exempt, said Jesus. What Jesus was saying was, the temple was supposedly collecting tax on God's behalf, but as the son of God, that would make Jesus exempt. But... As Jesus had come to earth as man and was identifying with us, he was going to pay it. So it's kind of funny what he then tells Peter to do. Peter's probably worrying about it, thinking, well, where are we going to get any money? You know, that's a lot of money. Where are we going to get that kind of money? And Jesus says, go fishing. Don't worry about it. Go fishing. And I I can imagine if that was me thinking, okay. So he says, don't worry. Open the first 
the mouth of the first fish that you catch, and you will find the four drachmas for both of us. Now again, Jesus could have just put his hand in his pocket and produced that. He could have said to Peter, look, it's on the floor. There, just pick it up. But he used Peter's profession as a fisherman, and he said, go fishing. So one, it was something he knew and he was comfortable with. Two, he knew how to do it, and he, was, he, he would just know what to do. It would be a relaxing time for him, rather than worry, worry, worry. So he said, go fishing. And he uses what we have. I think he was teaching us that actually we can use what we have. We can use the skills that we have to produce the miraculous. But we need to step in faith to do that. Yeah. Now, you all know the story. Well, I'm sure most of you know the story about me a few years back. In fact, quite a few years back, the Lord had said to me, you know, about shop and using my creative abilities. And I hadn't used any of them up to that point. And then during lockdown, I started making all this jewelry and all this stuff that I was doing. And then I was up in Burnham High Street. And then all of a sudden, the, you know, the shop was there. And I thought, shop, the Lord mentioned shop, gift shop. So I went in and I'm selling my stuff. Now the God will use what we have. But I had to make that choice to go into that shop and say, look, I'm selling this stuff. Would you be interested in selling it for me? God will use what we have. But we have to step out. We have to have that step of faith. There's another story in Matthew 14 of the feeding of the 5,000. Now it says around 5,000 men. Now that means plus women and children. They'd all come to listen to Jesus. Many, probably most, had been healed. But it was getting late in the evening. Jesus didn't want to send them away hungry. So he said to the disciples, we need to feed them. You feed them. But they said, well, we've only got five, li- five loaves and two fish. So Jesus said, well, bring it here and have the people sit down. So Jesus takes the food. He looks to heaven. He gives thanks. And he breaks the bread. And he tells the disciples to hand it out. Now, it's, we're told everyone was satisfied. And the disciples collected 12 baskets of broken pieces that were left over. Now, again, the disciples had to do something in all of this. Now, if you think about it, five loaves, two fish, 12 disciples. You split that up, that's less than half a loaf each to hand out and one-sixth of a fish to hand out. That's not a lot. So can you imagine the surprise as they've got it in the baskets and they're thinking, okay, it's not going to go very far. Take your piece. And miraculously, as one piece goes there must have been two or three pieces going back in because 12 basketfuls were collected at the end. So can you imagine the faith being built as they hand it out to the first, to the second, to the third, and it's growing. It couldn't have just been replaced because there was more at the end than at the beginning. Yeah? Sometimes it feels really risky to step out in faith and do something that looks impossible. But it's only when it's impossible that we can truly call it a miracle. Yeah? So occasionally, we do have to take more than one step of faith before seeing the answer. And in John 5, 8, it says, there was a man who was paralyzed for 38 years. Jesus comes along and says to him, do you want to get well? Then get up, pick up your mat, and walk. 
Now, I can imagine some people standing around thinking, is he taking the mick? You know, this guy's been laying there 38 years. They must have thought, is he being cruel? But Jesus is never cruel, and he never takes the mick. He meets our needs. Now, it must have been quite an amazing sight. This man who'd been laying there day after day, week after week, year after year, got up. And he walked. Now, it makes me wonder, did he instantly feel healed and have strength in those legs before moving? Or did he have to first try and get up? And then the strength started to come. And then start to feel something. And then hope and faith was built, just like with the baskets of food. As you step out, it, was, it came in and it was multiplied. Now, I don't know the answer, but I do think he had to take a risk and try to move those legs. It's interesting also the order that that was saying. Get up, then pick up your mat and walk. I can imagine the scene, can't you, of jubilation. He probably got up, maybe stumbled a little bit because he hadn't done it, you know, and then almost wants to run in, in disbelief. This is happening, oh my gosh, look, my legs, all, my legs, they can move. But the last thing on his mind was probably picking up his mat, wasn't it? I'd have probably run off and left it. Oh, I don't want it. But actually, that was quite an important piece of the story because it was saying that actually God's grace, God's mercy and healing was so much more important than what the law says. Yeah. Now, some of these stories are quite unusual, but there are some stories where the Lord has asked people to do things that are even more unusual to receive a blessing, such as in John 9, where Jesus heals the man that was born blind. Now, this one was also a lesson for the disciples. (laughs) Sorry. They asked Jesus who had sinned, the man or his parents, for him to be born blind. They obviously believed that someone had to be at fault for him to be blind. But Jesus clearly says, neither man nor his parents have sinned, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. In other words, God wants everyone to be healed. Yeah, It's not because of what we've done. It's very easy sometimes, isn't it? Especially in the Christian world, you know, when someone's sick and think, well, why are they sick? It's not because of us, but it is to bring glory to God when we see that healing. And we've seen healing in this church, and we will see more. The glory will go to our Heavenly Father. Now, the way that this story is even more unusual is, Jesus actually spits on the ground, makes the mud, puts it on the man's eyes, and then told him to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. And when this, wash, when this mud was washed off, this man could see. He was completely healed. And I've pondered this one, and I wondered why this man had to do something when others didn't have to. And maybe that is the lesson. We won't ever understand what is happening or why. And maybe we don't need to all the time. Maybe it's about having that faith and trust that God's got this. And there's a reason yeah, we might not understand, but there's a reason, and it's just about trusting. Sometimes the Lord may ask us to do wacky things. If he tells you to spit in someone's eyes, I'd ask them first, though. 
But when those things are crazy or impossible, if the Lord says it's possible, then it's possible. And if we obey, we can give that glory to God for the miracle that we will then see. If we want to see the supernatural, we can't always do the natural. We have to do the supernatural. And that can mean stepping out in faith and taking a risk. Now, that doesn't mean doing something dangerous. Just have to add that bit in there. It means being ready to listen to what the Lord is telling us, being ready and willing to step out into that. Pray for that sick person, that person, your neighbor, that may have been struggling. And don't be worried if you look crazy or foolish. Can you imagine what would happen to them and their families if they get healed? Can you imagine the glory that will go to God and you've just saved another soul? You've led them to the Lord. Yeah? I've heard a number of stories where people have been told to go abroad. They've had no money, but the Lord said, go to the airport. And someone has come up to them and actually said, the Lord's told me to give you this money for a ticket. When God is in it, we don't have to ask. When God tells us to do something, he will provide. He will be there. Our father in heaven is a miracle worker and he's chosen to bless us and to use us to bless others. Heaven's, heaven has a storehouse full of blessings, provision, and I believe even spare parts of the body. Nothing is impossible for our heavenly father and all things are possible for those who believe in Christ Jesus. So when the Lord tells us to do something, Let's be more than willing to take that risk, step out in faith, and do the wacky to get to the wonderful. Our Father will always surprise us. We can't keep him in our natural human box of what we expect. He's not. He is so much more than that. He likes testing our faith. He likes saying, will you be willing to do this for me? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Let's be willing to say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Let me do the wacky to get the wonderful. So this morning, I'm going to ask us if we do need prayer, please stand up. And we're just going to pray because we're going to ask the Lord to give us the wacky to see the wonderful. Because I want to see it. I'm ready for the new. I don't want to see the old. I want to see the new. I want to see more of what we've seen in the past. We've seen healings, yes. We've seen provision, yes. We've seen so many miracles. I want to see so much more. And if that means stepping out and doing the wacky, bring it on. I want to do it, and I want that for each of you too. So if you want that, please stand with me, and we'll pray. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your encouragement. We thank you that you take us further and deeper than we could ever go on our own. And Father, you use us in what we know, just like Peter as the fisherman. You use our skills, even if we think we don't have any, you will use us, Lord. And Father, we can be vessels to bring your blessing and your love to others. So Father, open our ears and our hearts and our minds and our spirits, Father, that we can step out for you, 
Father, I pray that if there's any healings that need to take place here today, that you will touch the people here, Father, that you will heal them, that you will bring provision, that you will bring the needs, because, Father, you meet those needs. Father, you are our Lord God, Jehovah Jireh. You are the Lord and provider. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you that you always meet us. And if you tell us to do something, you will meet us in that and the glory will go to you. So, Father, we just we thank you and we give you praise and we give you honor and we give you glory. And we recommit, Lord, to stepping out and taking that risk for you, for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen.